Hello, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast for all of us looking to bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts, and on today's episode, we are receiving the gift of stories. Specifically, stories from three amazing Foothills members about their journeys of discovering a deeper sense of purpose in their lives. And I know that stories like this are something that so many of us are hungry for right now, especially the opportunity to get to know people more deeply who we already know in some way or who are already part of our community, but to get to know them in ways that would just never happen through you know, small talk, standing in line at the store, or even over coffee hour at church. And for me, on a personal level, I'm hungry for these experiences. I'm still feeling so new to Fort Collins, especially uh, even though we've already lived here for almost two years. Whenever the summer solstice is, that will be our two-year anniversary of driving directly from Minneapolis to Fort Collins with no stops. And even though we've been here for two years, um, I'm still feeling new. And I think that has a lot to do with the pandemic. It feels different from other moving experiences I've had. You know, when we moved here, it was still early pandemic. I remember pulling up to the curbside pickup at the Old Town Library and literally Clorox wiping every single book and letting it dry before handing them to my children. I remember in our first rental house here on Lyon Street in Fort Collins, the neighbor kids came by and they brought us homemade cookies while wearing masks. I was so touched. It, you know, already at that point, it felt like we'd been isolating forever, even though it had been just, what, like four months or something. And yet still, I would not invite these wonderful children to come and jump on the trampoline in the backyard of the house we were renting with my kids or really to do anything with my kids because I still, I was so afraid of COVID. There was still so much we didn't know. This was way pre-vaccine. And, you know, I think it's just an illustration of what a strange world it was two years ago. And we're still living in a world that's so informed by those threads of isolation and, you know, everything COVID. And about six months after we moved here, so this was around Thanksgiving of 2020, we moved into the house that we're currently living in that I'm sitting in right now as I'm talking to you. And our street was so quiet. And I think it took us even another six or eight months to even learn one of our neighbors' names. Everybody, when we moved here, was just so contained in their own house, socially distancing, doing their own thing. I think, you know, places like the subdivision we live in can already feel like everybody's kind of in their own little box doing their own thing, and the pandemic just exacerbated that. And even in normal times, I think we live on kind of a shy block where people keep to themselves. And even now, I'll pull into my driveway sometimes at the end of the day, and I'll just look at the other houses around us and think, who are these people in these houses? You know, this is 
This is where I live day in and day out. This is where I'm raising my kids. This is our place. And in some other time or place, the people living around us would be my village. You know, I'd probably have to interact with them, but I don't have to. And many of us don't really know each other at all or have ne still never met each other. And I have no idea what is going on inside these homes located just feet from my own home. And, you know, I don't offer these observations as any kind of judgment on the particular humans who live on my block or on Fort Collins or any kind of judgments like that. And in fact, the people I've gotten to know on my block, they are so kind and genuine. But I share these experiences more as an illustration of the times that we're living in and the world that we're living in right now, where we just don't know each other in so many ways, even those people with whom we're in really close proximity. And for many of us, these experiences of being a part of a village, it takes place in these other more intentional places, places like church, right? Like our congregational communities. And I think this desire to feel a part of a village and to know people's stories and to know that our story is known, that's so much of what brings us to church. And I think it's probably why Sunday services at Foothills right now, both in person and online, I have to say my experience is that they, it feels kind of like a love fest right now, that we are so hungry to be seen, to be known, to be together and connect in with other people with whom we feel some kinship and some sense of greater purpose. It's been really interesting to see that even in these months of May and June, when church attendance is usually waning, Foothills is feeling more bustling and more full of life and full of people with each progressive week. I have never experienced a mid-June in church that feels like church feels right now. So this brings us to today's podcast. We're going to get to listen to three members of our Foothills community, Joyce Trujillo, Doug Powell, and Nikki Rowe Crop, sharing stories of their seeking meaning and purpose. And you know, really, this is what we do together at Foothills. This is what it looks like to live into our shared promises to each other as a faith community. It looks like calling each other back to our truest self, back to our greater purpose over and over again. This is a practice. It's something we do together, and it's really only possible when we are willing to ask each other about what matters to us most of all and then to really listen and really honor each other's truth. And so this podcast is a part of that community practice of ours. And another essential component of that practice is to be there to hold each other up when we stray from that life that we ourselves have said that we long to live. But it's hard sometimes, and we mess up, and in community, or we just, you know, go astray, and we're here to draw each other back in to our deepest loyalties and, you know, our most true and heartfelt intentions. 
So let's start this story sharing with Joyce Trujillo, who has been asked to share her journey of seeking meaning and purpose. Yes. And then I sat down to answer this question. I realized I did not have enough chocolate in my house. I am Joyce Trujillo. And our family of five moved to Fort Collins when my husband, Michael, was hired at Anheuser-Busch in 1987. Retired in April of 2021, and we are still married, heading towards 42 years. After three decades of driving by the Foothills Unitarian Church, I started to become curious about the church and the messages on their lawn. About five years ago, I had the opportunity to attend a mental health first aid class that my friend was co-teaching at Foothills. After a long day of learning and sharing with the participants, I realized on my drive home afterwards that everyone was from Foothills. I continued to wonder what would it be like to attend a service and in the fall of 2018, while I was recovering from foot surgery on my driving foot, I began watching the tapes Foothill Sunday services. This was before Zoom. After my five weeks of recovery at home, I was ready for my first Foothills service in the beginning of 2019. I told Reverend Sean that I would watch on Sundays and he smiled and said, I wondered who I was talking to watching it at home and it was you. Soon, Michael started attending with me, and we signed up for base camp to learn about the history and more about the Unitarian Universalist beliefs. During base camp class, Reggie Reggie shared a story about the couple who were hesitating because they wanted to wait and see how the community would turn out after a bunch of transitions. And she invited them to come to be a part of that transition to change with them. I was ready to be a part of that transition, and that invitation gave a purpose to jumping in and starting to build our connections with Foothills. I even signed up Michael to audition for the talent show when he missed didgeridoo. He walked in, and the person said, oh, another didgeridoo. Michael's way the Toby didgeridoos with Doug Collins. Michael and I attended a one-day Safe Conversations workshop here in Foothills, which helps people learn about how to talk without criticism, listen without judgment, and connect beyond differences. We were taught and practiced how to become more present in our relationships. This is where Michael shared with us. He appreciated how I dressed him and put out his clothes. <laughs> When we were going somewhere, I just thought he was tired of having to always change his clothes. I was able to attend a fall on Zoom and a spring in-person journey group that connected to explore the Sunday series themes more fully and build real community together. In one Zoom session, I shared that I was approaching a date that I did not know how to do. It would be the 36th birthday of our son, Tyler who died on February 16, 2003 at age 18. 
was a passenger in a car crash on the road by Forestick Reservoir. I had a Greek verse that caught by total surprise. The Greek held space for me until I was able to go on. And that's, in fact, he was in that group. And I remember seeing myself on my Zoom square and remembering that is not a good look. <laughs> During the second Zoom journey group in person I attended, I realized that we originally had nine ladies signed up and four had lost sons from this community. The church offers the support for loss, joys, and transitions around the holidays. I have attended Tinkle Blessings groups that creates a safe place then allows a person to grieve and mourn openly. I joined the book discussion reading past, and it opened up reasons to do more. I took this knowledge and reread that book with my friends. I have been a caring listener with Reverend Elaine for almost two years and awesome folks who reach out to others, following up the weekly texts and listening and support his need. I can tell you, I really seen so much bad by listening and sharing that the Foothills family is here for you and cares about. I also helped delivering care kits to doorsteps filled with lovely items that Jennifer Wallen puts together for each person's unique situation. Last year, Michael's mother passed away and he opened the door to find a caring kit for a ceremony he could do for her. He had total knee surgery this year and received carry cards. And most recently, last month, he had COVID and received three beautiful carry cards. Volunteering with the Push Hills Mobile Food Bank is another place that fills my spirit. I found while walking along, pulling a card for the participant to put the food in shows a real look into our food insecurity. But in time, we unload that food to their vehicles. I would know a story about their life. He also started helping with faith family hospitality with Foothills is the host church. On Thursday evening this week, he made sloppy joe meals and served it to two families of five adults and five children. Spending time together and sharing kindness brings so much understanding to my life, knowing that we have to do more for affordable housing choices. During COVID, I started attending Zoom yoga with our Eleanor here, and folks at heads joined from wherever they happened to be on a Friday morning. I even invited my longtime friend in Vincent Carpenter, Illinois, to join, and every Friday we would text each other to sign on, and Eleanor would have us all turn off our microphones and cameras and just enjoy our Friday workout together. Foothills is coming a place that our adult children have slowly embraced after years being away from any form of a church. We were, Michael and I were recently COD leaders and we would bring our seven-year-old grandson. I asked Ben if he likes coming and he said he doesn't like coming, but he loves coming. Our daughter Leslie told me that they weren't going to even talk about God with Ben. But Ben said yes to starting them up for the church camp this summer after I sent them the information. Our youngest daughter, Hallie, and her wife, Nina, moved back from Japan and have attended services here and have felt very safe. Purpose 
is about feeling connected to others and being an active member of a community and contributing to a greater sense of purpose in life. Commitment and openness take strong bonds and acceptance. There is a darkness when dignity and being able to ask others for help might keep Taking small steps and sharing your gifts for the purpose and service brings meaning to life. Say yes and becoming a part of Foothills family was gift of my heart open to allow myself to go backwards and say hello to the pain and then I was able to move forward and say goodbye. I am now ready to give others the chance to be seen, to be heard, and to share their stories. Thank you, Joyce. Our next story of seeking meaning and purpose comes from Doug Powell. And yes, this is the same didgeridoo playing Doug who Joyce just mentioned in her story. Doug recently served on Foothill's Board of Trustees. Hi, my name is Doug Powell. I've been here at Foothill's since fall of 2010. My wife and I had moved to Fort Collins from Los Angeles. When we moved here, as you can imagine, we were looking for community. Um, we had an eclectic spiritual perspective from paganism to Episcopalian Christianity. Uh, with, uh, to my own homespun romantic atheism, uh, and a smattering of influences, including shamanism, Taoism, of course. Um, not surprisingly, we were thrilled to find a community and a spiritual home here in Foothills. We've both been active volunteers of Foothills for quite a time, for quite a while. And I could talk a lot about the incredible times, uh, that I've had, the words that I've read, wanting with others, our sheer purpose, commitment, work, music. I want to talk today about some of the ways in which I have grown personally through serving here. The first shift for me happened when I was volunteering with what we called the worship learning. Um, that group put on contemplative evening worship services, among other things. On one of these Vesper services, our theme was something like surrender. We were singing and chanting in circle, and mid chant, I turned, uh, of, uh, yeah, we were singing and chanting. Good chant, I looked over and saw several people. Um, and that's when I got it. Surrender was happening. People were really some stuff. Um, I started to really see that what we're doing together here deeply rich. That, that, that realization changed. The easiest way I could describe this shift in that role that I moved from being a person that attends at Woodhills to being a person that is Woodhills. It's kind of like being the difference. It's kind of like the difference between being a babysitter 
it'd be parent. I just have a phone number. <laughs> in, a, in the blink of an eye, I became invested. Um, the cake was baked. I'm home. Uh, this is my church, and I am one of the parts of the truth that constitute what else. <laughs> so my wife leaned into church leadership first. If you know her, you weren't surprised about that. <laughs> In time, I was, I was invited to consider being on the board of trustees. And, you know, I had my doubts about being on the board. I wasn't sure I could handle the time commitments. I already had a lot of things going on in my life. My wife looked me in the eyes and said, trust me. And I said, yes, and passed into one of the profound situations of my life. Two years of being on the ward were very, my two years of being on the ward were very different experiences. My first year was all about getting out to speak learning how the church is run, the role of the board versus the role of the ministry, words like policies, bylaws, started to have real meaning to me. Um, and most importantly, I began getting to know, trust, and deeply care for the incredible that we have as board members. My second year on the board was a lot quieter for me as I had settled into an understanding of the job. Love had it replaced concern, commitment replaced overwhelm. I really got to experience firsthand what living out of our values means for real. At one point we faced a circumstance that required the board to set clear boundaries. Someone in a very challenging situation. I had to deal with how in my own life, I hadn't been very good at setting boundaries. Yet here was this issue. And setting solid, healthy boundaries was what was called. <laughs> um, it became really clear to me that who I was called to be as a board member was a person greater and more expansive than who I was by default. I answered to something bigger. Being on the board asks of each of us that we strive to embody our Unitarian values in a way that is incredibly power, empowering, powerful, grounding. Since then, my wife has joined the Foothill staff and I've resigned my board position early to avoid creating the potential of a conflict. I am so thankful. I have been forever altered by my time on the board here at I have grown as a person in ways that I couldn't have imagined. Made profound relationships to people with people that I might other, not otherwise have. And I am so deeply humbled and honored to have been granted the opportunity to serve this congregation this way. Now I'm following, now I'm following passions of mine into my post-board service here at Foothills. I've been an audio geek for years, and so now I'm on the tech team, or what I like to call the AV club. <laughs> oh, we're a team of nerds that are behind the scenes. Uh, 
making sure that every Sunday service, live stream, Zoom service goes off without a hitch. Um, I like to think of it as taking care of people, technology. I'm also looking at joining the choir. I realized a while ago that I'm a yes to this. I'm a yes to our great covenant. Inside of being a yes, I have found that there are many ways to serve. From playing didgeridoo to running mics, on and on. Um, and many diverse opportunities to make a difference. Connect rows of person. You know how we say, you know how we say that we each bring a piece of the truth. Serving is like that. We all have gifts. You are needed. The unique difference you can make. If you're willing, I invite you to consider what doors deepening your yes might open. What difference you can make. Most important of all, get into communication about serving. Talk to our staff, to our ministers, or just go to our website and indicate looking for a way to serve. The only qualification you need. Our final reflection comes from Nikki Rowe Crop who shares about a hard choice that she once kept a secret and that is now a story that shapes her life in a different and more life-giving way. Hi, my name is Nikki and we had any photos. I sent some photos in, but uh, I'm going to share a story with you. Uh, I'm starting with how my 16-year-old daughter and I recently attended the Fort Collins Bands Off Our Bodies Pro-Abortion rights rally old town pictures are up we can get them up there um people of all ages and gender identities came out to support abortion rights we, we showed up with our signs we clapped and hooted and sent to the speaker's messages and we rode the wave of empowerment and righteousness that flowed through the crowd i found one speaker particularly inspiring she was a CSU student and explained that when she was 19 and a freshman, she became pregnant and miscarried. She told the crowd of uh, 300 plus strangers that if she hadn't miscarried, she would have sought an abortion because she wasn't ready to be a parent. She didn't want a baby. She wanted her education. She said it was her mission now to ensure that everyone has access to safe and legal abortions. She held her head high but with conviction and bravery, never doubting her words or herself. As she shared her story, my daughter shook her head in affirmation and admiration and yelled, yes, queen, to her words. I felt at that moment a sense of wistfulness and awe wash over me. You see, I have not been so courageous with my own story. When I got pregnant my freshman year of college at 18 and subsequently made the difficult choice to have an abortion, I essentially also made the decision at that time to keep it all hidden forever. It was to be my deep, dark, eternal secret, and I made the very few people who knew swear to secrecy too. At this point in my life, I was still recovering from my bout with Catholicism in childhood. I wasn't sure what my relationship was with religion, but I knew 
without a doubt that I had royally screwed up my chances with God in the afterlife by having an abortion. I was definitely a sinner, if not a murderer, and was irrevocably damaged. I also knew that unlike other traumatic situations my fellow undergrads were facing, my pregnancy and abortion were completely and totally my own doing. I didn't deserve or warrant anyone's compassion, support, or help. With time and distance from the event, I found it harder and harder to keep my secret. The shame and guilt stayed, sure, but the secrecy became harder as I made new connections and relationships. I wanted those that I was in true, authentic relationship with to truly know me, all parts of me. And while I didn't feel that my abortion defined me, it was, for better or worse, part of me. It was always with such trepidation and fear that I would disclose my secret to others. How would they react? Would they judge me harshly, despise me, or the worst fathomable faith disown or ostracize me? But what I found was unexpected. My story was oftentimes met with understanding, acceptance, and open-mindedness. I was still very selective of whom I told, but over the years, I became less apprehensive and more assured with sharing my story. I also thankfully was able to forgive myself, make sense of the experience, and begin to heal. Fast forward many years later to 2019. I am now living in Fort Collins with my husband and two kids. We are fairly new to FOCO and even newer to Foothills UU. You might remember that that year saw an unprecedented, at the time, wave of abortion bans in many states, followed by urgent calls to action, eerily reminiscent of this past May. During June of 2019, the church rolled out a series called Every Body, and that included a sermon by guest minister Reverend Jordan Nelson Long titled Sin, Selfishness, and the Fear of God's Will what I don't believe about abortion. I remember sitting at church, listening to the sermon and being both profoundly shocked and affirmed by the words being spoken in the church about accepting and supporting abortion. That same month, But Hills hosted a support group of sorts for those of us who had had abortions and were seeking a safe space to talk about our experiences and how we were feeling in light of the looming anti-abortion legislation. Telling my story to those I deemed safe enough to tell was one thing, but being that vulnerable with complete strangers was something else entirely. But I decided to go mostly because the threat to the right of abortion rattled me so much that year. And it was another life-changing moment for me. There was a solidarity, a connection that came with bearing witness to other stories that were different yet similar to my own. I felt another hold on me give way that day the one that kept me isolated and feeling alone in my experience. That summer, I told my oldest daughter, 14 at the time, my abortion story. The full story, not the abbreviated version that I'm telling you. She listened empathically and with an open heart. She asked questions and nodded an understanding in my responses. I remember her saying, well, mom, that must have been really hard for you, and thanking me for trusting her with the truth. I always knew I would tell my daughters about my abortion, in part because I wanted them to have a much different perceived experience than I had growing up. I wanted them to know that they could come and talk to me about anything, even or especially about sex, and that I love them no matter what, even if or especially when they've screwed up or everything has fallen apart 
or they've come undone. But I also wanted to share my story with them because I want to be my authentic self with them too. As a parent, I know one of my most important responsibilities is to model for my kids what I want for them. If I want them to be brave, to be courageous in the face of things that make them uncomfortable, to be their true authentic selves, no matter how messy that is, and to lead a life without shame, I have to do that too. After the rally on the car ride home, my daughter spoke about how valuable it was to hear the stories of real people, to put an experience, a face, a name with all the stats. I thought about my own story, how I went from adamant secrecy and accepting shame and guilt as a penance to owning my story and loving myself through the process. With more and more restrictive abortion bills being passed and the likely overturn of Roe v. Wade, I thought that now might be the time to write my next chapter in my story. And thankfully, Bud Health is giving me the pen and paper again to write that next chapter. First by giving me this platform today, and then by initiating Reproductive Justice Org on behalf of Bud Health. I am deeply grateful that abortion was a choice for me, and I do not regret my decision. My purpose now is to use my experience and privilege to speak and act bravely for the rights of others, especially for those who will be disproportionately impacted by anti-abortion legislation, so that I could be part of, as Reverend Jordan Nelson Long called it, the courageous legacy handed forward across generations that means safely continuing a life of worth and meaning is a possibility for people in our communities. Every person has a story that is particular and complex. Choices that have shaped their lives in pain and triumph and reconciliation and irreversible loss. So reads the message for this series. This is my story. Thank you for listening and thank you Foothills for creating a brave space for me to be real and honest and to share um, my story. <laughs> Let's just take a deep breath together as we hold everything that has been shared with us during this time. Doug, Joyce, Nikki, thank you for trusting us. Thank you for sharing your stories with us, these human stories that help us feel our own humanity more fully. We see you, we honor you, and we are with you. In her reflection, Nikki mentioned the influence of a powerful sermon by the Reverend Jordan Nelson Long, and we at Foothills will be lucky enough to welcome Jordan back into our pulpit to preach in just a few weeks on Sunday, July 3rd. I really hope you can join us for it, either in person or virtually in our online simulcast service. So as our podcast time comes to an end today, we honor all the stories shared with us, honor all those stories that each one of us is holding. We honor those stories that we tell easily and with joy. And we also honor those stories that we are guarding closer to our hearts. In these days when everything can feel so overwhelming, when we may be wondering how we can ever make a difference in this world, may we lean in. May we take the leap of relationship and give ourselves to something greater than ourselves, trusting in a larger arc of goodness and wholeness. 
Each day, may we remember to give ourselves to joy, give ourselves to love, to gratitude, and to courage, that we may live fully in this one precious life. May it be so, and amen. Thank you so much for making the time to join us for this week's, join me for this week's episode of the Foothills Deeper Pod. If you have a moment, it would be so great if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps people to find us and hear our message. And sometimes, you know, you never know if we have just the thing that somebody might need to hear that week. And if there's anyone in your life who you think would resonate with the big questions that we're wrestling with and exploring over here, please send them a link to the podcast. Please spread the word. And thank you so much for listening. It's always so good to be with you. I'm so glad that you joined me today. 